Hey, and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss Game Pass, Sandworms, Section 230. I don't waste one minute. Let's get right into it. Well, Ryan, we're back. And we're really better than ever, I have to say. Uh, a lot of people are saying, actually... A great number of people are saying that. Many people are saying. <laughs> <laughs> a great number of people. I can't talk about it yet, but a lot of people are saying this is the best podcast that we've ever done. I like, dude, what the fuck? Trump, like, I, I don't want to get political right off the bat, but uh, the way he speaks is so weird. It's he's like. Very, he's very femme. He's surprisingly femme. It's, it's, but also, yes, I agree, but also. It's just like he doesn't use the English language in the way that most people do. It's very unusual. I mean, you could say it could be a sign of uh, something cognitively wrong with him, but also, and it's like, you know what? It's, it's like a person who's so used to lying that they don't remember what they lied about. And so they're always trying to like hedge everything they say. Yeah, it's people who, who Which while honestly, like, lying, they just keep talking because if you add more and more, like you just, you keep distracting and you can also feel out how right, the audience right. is of responding to your lie. So you can be like, and then she said she hated it, but she was joking. And what she really yeah. meant was that she loved yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like you could just like keep yeah. moving around. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on the right, the audience's reaction. Yeah. And it's very strange, very unusual, very cool though. I think for a president <laughs> to be just constantly speaking like that and lying and for 18 hours anyhow, to Bob big, Woodward, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Big, big story this week. This should be the, I mean, I think it is, <clears throat> excuse me. This should be the story. I mean, it should be the story of his presidency because it really is. But uh, this week, Trump, uh, Wood, Bob Woodward is right, uh, publishing a book called Rage. And in the book, he has an exchange with Trump where Trump basically says, oh, yeah, like this uh, virus is really deadly and it's going to kill a lot of people and it's way more dangerous than the flu. And I have to keep it quiet because I don't want to send anybody into a panic, <laughs> which means like the idea that I think it's actually like. Honestly, I don't buy for a second. It's about him wanting to reduce panic. He literally tweeted today. The guy literally tweeted this today. I'm going to read it to you, okay? Here's Mr. I don't want to panic anyone. <laughs> the Democrats never, never even mention the words law and order at their national convention. That's where they are coming from. If I don't win, America's suburbs will be overrun with low-income projects, anarchists, agitators, looters, and, of course, friendly protesters. It's like, oh, wow, Mr. Mr. No Panic, you definitely are not trying to turn like the you know get the population into a complete panic over the invasion of the suburbs, which is like the most hilarious, weird narrative that like such a baby narrative that I've it's hard to believe that he's again, it's like the way he talks. It's like really hard to believe that this is like he's you know, this is his version of how he's gonna get people to vote. Anyhow, but I don't um, want anyone to panic, but all Mexicans are rapists. China no, has literally, a hoax. literally this guy is like <laughs> I mean he's like president he's president panic. Everything he says is like absolute panic. Wait, wait what was um, it? What was the the caravan? <laughs> yeah, the caravan. The caravan. Um anyhow, but uh <laughs> So wait, uh, right. So anyhow, in this book, he says, yeah, oh yeah, the vi- I know the virus is really deadly. It's going to kill a bunch of people. It's airborne, you know, basically is transmitted um, via people coughing and sneezing. So, you know, I mean, we're talking about the president of the United States of America. It would have been one thing if, if, if he had been like, I don't want to tell people because I don't want to create a panic, but we're going to, we're going to double, you know, our efforts 
you know, based on the scientific evidence and make sure that we have a plan in place to start getting this, you know, nipped in the bud right now. But he was like, he not only didn't communicate how, how deadly the virus was, but also he, he formed policy around the virus as if it wasn't actually that. But thing. it's not even that. You know, it's not even that he said it's not that dangerous. He literally said, "I've heard it's going to go away. It's just a miracle. It's just yeah. going to vanish." And 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 what's one thing to say stuff like that, but then also have a plan that like actually combats that? Because normally when people don't panic, they're like, you know, they're like, you know, the president gets a message. We hear Russia shooting a nuclear uh, missile at you know New York tonight. You don't go on TV and go like Russia shooting a nuclear missile at New York. You go like, you know, we're handling the situation. There's nothing to worry about. And then you like have a plan to deal with the missile. But the you know? problem this was like fired all the people who like, had a plan. Tossed, right. the, no, tossed this is, the plan into a, a comically evil fire, cackled about how the world would be overrun with a yeah. deadly virus. <laughs> this is like this is like this is like they're like, Mr. President, this virus is very deadly. It's gonna kill a lot of people. It spreads way faster and, and way it's way more you know dangerous than the flu. He goes, Okay, we don't want to panic anybody. Don't say that out loud, okay? But you know, let's get a plan together. And the next day they're like, All right, what's our plan? He's like, Haven't you heard? It's not that bad. It's really like the it's you know, not even as bad. As the flu, so it's like we need to like, get a plan together. My idea is we all cough in each other's mouths and spit on babies yeah, and old no, people. It's like, it's, it's, it's like he took it's like he took his own talking point as a way to set the policy for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he it's convinced like he himself. <laughs> he's well, this one tie, but you know, going back to the way he speaks, I mean, maybe he did. Yeah, he probably. Did. I'm not trying to get him. Let him. I'm not trying to let him off the hook, but he definitely was like, what didn't like create a policy that was like. Oh, even though I'm trying to like limit panic, we have a really good policy in place to like deal with this. It was like the policy was based on your message about not panicking, which was like, it's not a big deal, which (laughs) was, so it's like either you're very fucking stupid, which I'm not ruling out or, you know, evil or you have dementia and so does everybody who works around you. Wait, did you see this Kim Jong-un thing? No, I don't know. He said he's in good health. No, well, he tweeted about him being in good health. Uh, Kim Jong-un's letter to Trump. Here's a quote. Even now, I cannot forget the moment of history when I firmly held your excellency's hand at that beautiful and sacred location as the whole world watched with great interest and hope. <laughs> wow. You guys just want to fuck. Go fuck. Wow. I mean... <laughs> Wow, that's very beautiful, honestly. And so it just turns out, I mean, what we don't realize about Trump is that he actually loves too much. That's <laughs> his biggest. That's his, if he had one, if he had one thing to, that you know really is his failing is that he's too filled with love for. Wait, people. I have to ask Tony if he knows of any instance where Trump has ever laughed, and I don't mean like scoff or like chuckle. No, he. La- I've never he heard laughs. him like he belly laugh ever. He loves he watch he loves that movie Step Brothers and he guffaws wildly throughout the entire <laughs> thing from what I understand. He loves that. All right, let's talk about let's get into let's talk about technology. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about a post-Trump world which will just be whatever we've been seeing from the West Coast for the last week. Well, just scorched earth, red skies. We put up our review of uh both Antifa the surface Antifa running wild. <laughs> Go ahead. We put up our review of both the Surface Duo and the Galaxy Z Fold 2. Quite a name. Yes. Um, yes. What do you – I – because we've talked about this on the show before. I was getting to the point where I was like, I'm going to buy one of these. I'm pulling the trigger. It's going to be no more iPhone. It's going to be a foldable future, baby. I'm going to be on the bleeding edge. And Ray seems to really like the Duo. But having, like, really looked at both of them, I'm like, 
Maybe I don't. I, it's just you feel like you make a lot of trade-offs for a big screen. You know, right, you, right. When you should, we should mention that uh, Motorola announced a sequel to the Razer, the highly successful <laughs> Razer folding phone, flip phone. That'll save the company. The Razer, <laughs> the Razer 2, which – and I don't want to get off topic here, but just uh, maddeningly features my one of my uh, favorite actors, Julia Garner uh, of Ozark and uh, uh, the Americans fame. Um, in like this kind of like cool, like kind of like eighties ish photo shoot, but it's like really annoying because it's, I don't want people to think the phone is cool when I have a pretty strong feeling that it is not having reviewed the first razor and found that it makes no sense to even exist. Um, when it just but, fell you know, apart but, in Ray's hand. <laughs> oh my God. It just like, it just like the screen just spontaneously combusted. No, um, the, uh, the, the um the full okay one thing i'll say about both the the galaxy you know z fold 2 or the fuck it's called and um the surface duo is that i understand better now today what is cool and potentially useful about the folding concepts like these particular types of folding phones phones that go from this like single screen sort of phone like experience to more of a tablet or even like miniature laptop kind of experience so I think that we have gotten to a place now where there's a better explanation and, frankly, some better um, execution on why they are useful devices. But I think to your point, you know, when I say this as a I'm, – I'm an iPhone user now. Uh, I, I usually have, you know, an Android phone as a secondary phone that I mess around with when I have an iPhone. I was – this is me coming from being a longtime Android user and a, you know, denier of the iPhone you know, to switch, let's say, as my primary device to one of these, there are features that I would – there are features that are deal breakers for anything, right? One, a great camera, right? Now, I think the the the, the Galaxy has more going for it in that department. I think that the, the Surface Duo obviously is not there. Um, being waterproof, that's a big deal, especially if you have kids. Uh being able, this is something that I use now more than ever, especially because we're in the middle of a pandemic and I don't want to touch things. I use my phone for payments almost everywhere now if I have to go into a store. And I think that, like, you know, with uh, I, I, the Surface Duo not having NFC and not being able to do that is pretty crazy. You know, it's a pretty crazy trade off at this moment, you know, and they talk a lot about, you know, we did this great, uh, uh, Ray had this great conversation with uh, Panos Panay from. Uh, Microsoft about the kind of philosophy behind the Surface Duo. And I actually believe, I think he's right. I do think there's a lot of like, th- we do have to evolve the phone. I think there needs to be a different ways of, of of thinking about these devices that sit in our pocket and try to be everything. But there are, I think this is exactly it. It's like, this is so close to something that could be awesome. And yet the trade-offs you need to make to 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 use this as your daily driver, make it very difficult to see how you might do that. Now, look, to some people, stuff like NFC or waterproof may not be that big of a deal. There may be people who are like, I use this for largely for work. And I, or you know, like on my smartphone. And I live in a rural area and I'm not like, like I, I, I get, you know, I go to the right, store, right. but it's not so, like, so I, I'm critical, you know, but, but are those people are they, are you willing to trade off stuff and and trade out of whatever you have, whether it's a normal Galaxy device or an iPhone or whatever? You know, it's it's there's a question of I think the adoption is going to be low, and I think both these companies are aware of that. I think the reason why the the Galaxy is two thousand dollars is an acknowledgement that this is for a very special subset of early adopters, 
And I think the reason why the Surface Duo is expensive and also lacks some features is there. Microsoft is basically saying, we want to start to experiment here. We think we have some ideas. We think we have some good ideas. And this is the way that we start experimenting with those ideas. And I think they're right for doing that. Yes. And I think that a lot of it. This is Microsoft's fifth or sixth time being like, we're going to wade into mobile and have some ideas. Yeah. Yes, true. But what's different here is they are, it's a very different strategy. One is they are, and I've, and I've spoken to people at Microsoft uh, uh, and who have said, you know, look, we're not trying to sell the most phones here. And, and also this is a, in the same way, the surface, the original surface, which was a total dud and I hated was like provocative design, interesting ideas. The execution just isn't there. I mean, you're talking to a guy who's personally purchased several Surface laptops uh, over the last few years because I like the design and the execution so much because they have done so much work on the OS and on the the pen and on the devices themselves that they're now like really, really good, really refined. I mean, I don't even use, to be clear, I don't even use a Mac anymore. Like I, I literally don't use a Mac for my day-to-day computing at all. I have a Surface pro and i have a desktop pc and like at this point i'm like i mean it's crazy it's crazy how much has changed in the last few years i'm like not even playing my ps4 or my xbox i I game on a gaming pc that i built i use another pc that i built for like my day-to-day work and then i have a a surface pro for as my laptop i have a ipad that i use sort of for like scrolling pinterest and like if i need to do something that's very light work I, I basically don't use a Mac at all anymore. And I think that that's a testament to what Microsoft has done, obviously on the software side, obviously on cohesion and openness with their products. It's also a testament to them sort of massaging the Surface concept into something that's much more desirable and much more interesting and much more makes a lot more sense than anything that they had previously done. And so I think this, I'm I'm looking at the service duo and I think Ray has a similar perspective and I even think they have a similar perspective, which is like, this is V1. And like, if you look at V1 of the surface, it was not for everybody and it got pretty panned by most people. I mean, the first surface I believe I reviewed was like, it was a Windows RT surface. So it wasn't even compatible. And then like the next, like, I mean, maybe they had the companion surface with it that, you know, was a kind of sluggish, chunky not great experience for you know windows and nobody really could see the strategy there i do think given their history given what they've done in the past the strategy is a bit more clear now and i think that next year there's going to be a version of this device that's going to be significantly improved in a lot of different ways and i think they're i think they're almost taking some of their r&d i mean for better or worse they're taking some of their r&d out of the lab and they're putting it into the hands of consumers you know, I think that they are interested in seeing what happens when these devices are in the wild and how people use them. And so, you know, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, I think it's a, it's an approach that has worked for Microsoft. Um, you could say it's sloppy, but they may say, well, we're, we want to see what people do with these. We want to actually get some data. I think, you know, they are not as good at predicting or at least selling the public on what the future looks like as Apple is. Um, But they are pretty good at taking information from the consumer and turning that into actionable stuff, you know, like, and I think that if you read the, the interview that, that Ray did with um, Panos, the, one of the things that he talks about up top, you know, before he gets into the the Q and a is that, 
Microsoft has like transformed itself in a lot of ways. And a lot of that has been through just completely changing its relationship with consumers. And it's been much more open. It's much more, you know, open source friendly. It's much more developer friendly. It's much more about like, you know what, we make a great office suite and we make, we have a pretty great email experience and we have some ideas that we think are really good, but they don't have to be like on a Microsoft uh, uh, OS. Like, they've really done a good job of moving some of their products across platforms. And so I think like, I do think that, and that's been, I think the experience has been like, as they've been in market, they've realized that they're not going to dominate in, they're not going to be the third OS for phones. They're not going to dominate selling, you know, an iPad competitor or an iPhone competitor. They're going to find a niche or an audience for something that is like, that does something different and does other things better than those products do and is an alternative. And so like, you know, like the surf, like I think surface, uh, the surface line has been very good for them. And I think this phone is a continuation of that. So would I buy it today? I mean, I'm definitely considering buying it. Um, I could see myself using it as a secondary device. I could almost see myself using this more than I use my um, iPad as a secondary device in the sense that it's, it's, a bit more of what I actually want with, you know, the fact that it's Android actually makes it easy. Like, here's something, here's something that I can't do. There's no terminal. There's really no terminal software for the iPad, you know, and there are things that I do remotely that I would use, uh, things I do from a command line that I use, on, that I do on my Windows computer. I, I, I would do it on a Mac, you know, if I, when I have terminal open, I mean, it would be very easy. You can do it on Android. You can install lots of terminal apps to let you, you know, get a command line and actually do things with it. It's a big pain in the ass and you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to do it on the iPad. And I've never found a solution that's quite satisfying. Little things like that, most people are not dealing with that shit. You know, most people don't like break a cache on something, you know, via a command line. So they're not really worried about it. But like, those are things that I think would, that something like Service Duo would make easier. And so it's, it is like, I do think there are use cases even for somebody uh, at this moment like me or for other people who may have like just weird, I think weird workflows. And I don't think that the Surface Duo is, and we basically say it and and they basically say it's not an iPhone competitor. It may not even be a Galaxy Fold competitor in some ways. Yeah, I understand all of that. My thing with it is every time every time these foldables come around i get excited in the way that i used to get excited when i saw like the ipod has video or like the game boy folds its clamshell or like you know the psp plays back movies and music and games like i used to get this like geeky nerdy feeling and i do still do sometimes like i certainly have it the xbox series s which we're gonna get to had me freaking out this week but when I look at the Duo and I look at the Fold, I get that feeling a little bit. But the trade-offs for what you're getting and, like, novelty and, like, the dynamic is different. And, like, you get to experience all these ideas that Microsoft has about how we could live differently and, and like, what it would be like if when you closed your phone, it was closed and you didn't get, like, pop-up notifications. Like, what psychologically... I mean, Ray, I mean, Ray mentioned to us, like, you know, his digital well-being or whatever you want to call it was much better when using the... Duo. <coughs> but when the iPhone came out, it had a bunch of trade-offs. But what you got was so worth what you were losing that I was like, who cares about 3G? Like, I just want this iPhone. When I look at the Duo or the Fold, I'm like, who cares about it being waterproof? Like, I do. <laughs> like, who cares about Apple Pay? I definitely do. And who cares about, like, 
you know, durability or like any of the things that like, like the, even just the processor in the duo being older, like I get why that is because they wanted to spend a year in development and really tailor the device and really get it to be polished and like what they wanted it to be. And I understand that. And I, 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 I don't think it's an excuse, but I do think like, I don't know. I don't want an old Snapdragon processor in a $1,400 phone. Like, and it definitely yeah. that you can tell the software looks a little jittery and a little like, like it's lagging a little and like that kind of stuff. I get that they can patch and stuff, but it, it, it feels, this just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like what I'm getting in return for all of those trade-offs. The two screens is worth all the like frustrations that would come with it. And, I mean that in the way that like I've bought other gadgets that I thought like, Oh, this will be worth it. And I, I, maybe I'm just getting too old to be like tricked into like my imagination being better than like real world use. Um, yeah. But I just can't, I can't, I, mean, I can't see myself buying one. And it makes me sad because I really wanted to see myself buying one. Well, you know, I think on that point about how, you know, how we're spending money, it's a different time in the world right now. And we're prioritizing things differently. I mean, I definitely have stopped myself from like there every year when the new Galaxy Note came out, I would be like, oh, you know, I'll upgrade like, you know, I might as well I have the last year's one. I can get a pretty good trade in value for it. I might as well get the new one. And now I'm kind of like, why, you know, like to what end? And I think that um, we are definitely uh, we are definitely, you know, thinking about how we spend money and where we spend money differently at this point. And there is a, uh, you know, do you need this thing? Is it going to do something that's so wildly different than any other device you have? Like, I'm not sure that that's illustrated yet here, though I'm not saying that it it can't. And I do think you're right about the Snapdragon processor and about the performance. It's like, well, if this is supposed to be super productive and it's like this really expensive, you know, new kind of device, you want it to feel like it is... Uh, up to speed, literally and figuratively, you want to feel like it is competitive with the best of the best. So certainly, if a fourteen hundred dollars phone is the best of the best, you know, price range. I get that it's got two screens and it's got a cool hinge, but you really want it to perform. And so the question is, like, you know, can it perform uh, the way you want it to, and is it worth that money? And and I would just say, at this moment in time, when we don't know what's gonna what the future is gonna look like in America or anywhere else, it's like. Yeah, it's a tough time to be like blowing it on a phone you may throw in a drawer in like two months. So in other affordable Microsoft news, this week we got a look at the Xbox Series S, which is the lower and cheaper model uh, of Microsoft's new next-gen consoles. Yes. Um, and we also got the price and the release date for the Xbox Series X and a bunch of new details, including uh, that Microsoft's subscription video game service, uh, Game Pass, has added a bunch of titles from EA Play, which will come like bundled in with it. So now Game Pass has like almost 200 games you get, like high quality games you get for $15 a month. Or if you buy the Series S, which is $300 retail on a financing plan, it's $25 a month for uh, I believe two years, but you get Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass baked into it. So it's like an insane deal. That's like Hulu and Disney Plus uh, every month, but you get an Xbox, a next-gen Xbox, and all the games that Microsoft comes out with for it, and EA's games. That's like a crazy it's, value. So explain to me, so the is the is the is the Xbox Pass or Game Pass, whatever they're calling it, 
it, is it all streaming? Do you download the games? What is the, is it a combination? So you can get the games on your PC um, downloaded. You can get them on your Xbox downloaded, or you can stream them from a browser or a mobile device, uh, Android phones or tablets. Uh, currently, Apple blocks it on iOS, but you can play them through the cloud. You can download them. They're basically like, and play it anywhere. Like Microsoft's entire strategy for this console generation is not to sell you the box. Like the, the actual box itself is very nice. It has like really strong features. The graphics are gorgeous. The controller's great. Um, but what they're really selling you is on Game Pass, which is thinking of games as more of an ongoing subscription service like Netflix thinks of um, video and TV. And to that end, Microsoft doesn't care how you play them. You can download them. You can play them on older Xboxes, like Game Pass games are available on Xbox One devices. Um, you can stream them in high quality, like through xCloud, which is their program that like it basically plays it on a server somewhere on real Xbox hardware and yeah. then just serves it up to you. Um, and it's it's surprisingly robust and responsive. I think their big I think their biggest battle is getting people to understand this. I think, to be honest with you, I think it's like very, it's, it's the messaging has to be really, really clear around this. I think the biggest, the, the thing that makes the most sense, right, is that they're saying like, get the console and the service for X amount of dollars a month. Cause that's basically what they're doing. 25 right? bucks. And I think that the, the way that I think they bridge that education gap isn't just like doing ads and explaining it to people in YouTube videos and articles, which is like all the normal methods. But I do think they're helped by the fact that it's the holiday season. Parents are cash strapped. Their kids want a new console. And either at the point of purchase, someone explains to them like this one's $300 and it's a next generation console. And the PlayStation is X amount where we're, we're guessing it's going to be 500 or $600. Um, but this one's $300 or you can get it and it's $25 a month and you don't have to buy any games. And I think that that point of sale is great, but I also think kids are really savvy and online now. And I think a whole generation of like teenagers is going to get their hands on the Xbox because it's going to be something super affordable for their parents in like a format that they're used to paying, which is like a monthly subscription. Yeah. I mean, I think this is an interesting angle. It's really unique. I think the idea that they're combining this all into like a single price is really like, you know, it really makes sense to me. I mean, it's, it's an interesting, it also helps to clarify what the game pass is, which is like, you get all these like free games, right. That you can play like right off the bat. And that's like included in the price of like you're essentially paying for the console. I mean, it's like installments of paying for the console, less about like you're subscribing to this thing and it's going to cost you $35 a month, right? It's basically like, yeah, they're, essentially they're giving you two years of the game pass baked into the price of, you know, this, this, you know, console purchase or whatever. I mean, so what does it work out to? I mean, 35 bucks a month over two years is what? So that th it's $35 for the series. Sorry, X. for the series, so the series X. Well, I'm looking at the one that I would get, obviously, which is the series okay. X. Because I, I love the game big time. Both of them, either that you if you pay the series X um $35 a month or the series S for $25 a month, they both end up being less than if you paid for the console outright and Game Pass for two years. But you're locking yourself into paying for Game Pass for two years. Now, Game Pass is great, and the games are, are really high quality, and Microsoft has committed that all their new games will come to it. EA has committed that you'll get at least 10 hours of each new game that they come out with. What does that mean, um, 10 hours? So EA Play is a little bit more 
is a little bit more difficult. That EA Play has like a bunch a of games. They're like hour capping it. That sounds horrible. So they have a bunch of games that are fully unlimited, but when they're with their new titles that have just come out in the last six months or whatever, they hour cap you to 10 hours. Mm. But that's just EA but stuff. That's just EA I'm stuff. I'm trying to think of a single EA game that I've played recently. Was it, who was EA? What, it did, what do they do? The they have Fallen like Order? Need for Speed. Do they do Fallen FIFA, Order? Madden, the Fallen Order. Yeah. Um, uh, that's the only game I've played no. in the last year that is an EA game, I think. But people like, like them for their sports. But it, that's like an add-on. That, I mean, like, that's like up. that's like an add-on to basically. It's like oh, a nice. Yeah, to that's have. just a free bonus. Yeah. yeah. But so essentially, you get all of that um, with Game Pass, and it ends up working out to be cheaper. Um, and if you think about it, like you'd be spending sixty dollars on one game, whereas it's fifteen dollars a month. I mean, I think or this... twenty-five with the console. And you get all the games. I mean, I think this is smart right now, given how many people are out of work or only working part time or, you know, only, you know, who have had salary reductions. Like, I think this is a thing around the holidays. There's going to be a question of like, you know, the PS5 is going to be released and it's going to be 500 bucks. Plus games. Plus, right. you know, right. whatever other accessories. This is like, hey, you know what? You can have a brand new high-end xbox under the christmas tree for 25 bucks a month it's like all you're all you're really saying is like it's like one like you know expensive lunch a month you know i mean it's pretty wild when you start getting into the math because playstation you still have to buy playstation's online service you still have to pay for each individual game or like you have to start paying for their PlayStation Now subscription, which they do offer, but PlayStation Now is a like way worse games, and their streaming service doesn't really work. And very few of the games, like I think now some of the games are installable on the console. It's just like a mess. And and when you but with with part of the Xbox strategy is all the games that were on Xbox One now come to the Xbox, the next generation Xbox, the Series S and the Series X. But a bunch of those games are also getting upgrades. So do, they're getting graphical improvements and they're getting load times bumped. Um, and that's free. That's, does, that's their smart delivery service. That's free. Does the Xbox uh, Game Pass that is included in that price for the console include the PC stuff as well? Yes. So it's the full thing. It's the full like enchilada. See, that to me is very interesting. I mean, that's very attractive. I have to say, like, again, I mean, I've been, I mean, I I tweeted about this. I've been playing, I've been gaming, and I just talked about it. I've been gaming mostly on my PC, and I don't feel the need necessarily right now to upgrade to next gen, because I feel like I'm already playing next gen in a lot of ways. Um, But I will say, I do think these consoles are going to perform better than probably the setup I have. Like, the high-end one will probably perform better than the setup that I have for lots of different reasons. And the idea that all of this stuff is layered in, and the idea that it is actually in it, it goes across platform, is really interesting. I mean, just and your game saves sync, so you could pick yeah, it up on your PC and yeah. then go to your living room. Yeah, I mean that's really super interesting. I mean, I think that that Microsoft has gotten maybe, and maybe it's just because I'm a nerd and like you know I'm already like gaming on a PC. I just feel like they've tapped into something that that. PlayStation's going to have a hard time emulating, you know? I mean, PlayStation famously beat the Sega Saturn, its biggest rival at the time, when the head of PlayStation went on stage and said $299, which was $100 cheaper than the Saturn, because price is a huge factor in how these consoles yeah, and do. And they're expensive. Accessibility. These new, these new consoles are expensive. 
accessibility is everything. And the only difference between the Series S and the Series X is it has slightly less storage. It doesn't have a disk drive, so you play the games. But if you're getting it for Game Pass, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, do, you don't use the discs anyway. I mean, and it is slightly lower resolution, so it's like half the resolution, but upscaled to 4K, which is what the PS4 Pro is at the moment, and nobody's really complaining about that. And I don't think a lot of people have 4K TVs. Yeah, and I, I would say less than we estimate as tech nerds. So I think I really do think, like, yes, it is all about exclusives, and these consoles live and die on their exclusive games, but this is an exclusive too. like this price model and this unlimited service and the idea of like you buy this console and you get every game. If you say that to like younger people, if you say that to people who are cash strapped, that is an exclusive feature that like, I don't know how Sony competes with that because Sony's games, they're all big tentpole games, right? They're all standalone story games that they have to sell the up, you, they have to upsell you to the like, you know, commemorative one hundred twenty dollar box edition in right. order for the numbers to make sense. Plus microtransactions, and Sony can't. Sony isn't in a, a, a position where they can lose money on each box sold. Right. Microsoft could just give these away feasibly if they wanted to. Yeah. So I don't really know how Sony counters this outside of saying like we have Ratchet and Clank and we have like these. God of War, and we have Spider-Man. Yeah, you know, Horizon like those are Zero, great. Horizon Zero Dawn, which is you know, the sequel yeah. to that, which is going to be great, and and like Earth should be great. But it's true. I mean, I will say, I mean, like Last of Us. I mean, they, they, I mean, Sony does have games that are like, it's hard to deny that they're really good, and they don't ever show up on. They're not going to show up on um, the Xbox. You know, like that's the other. That's the trade-off, right? Like that's the that's the thing. If you know, if I want to play Horizon Zero Dawn, the sequel to that, I'm not going to be able to play it on the Xbox ever. You know, right? Yes, but I will say that the Xbox kind of took the Xbox One generation on the chin. They were like, okay, we're defeated here. Like, they 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 biffed it out the gate. They completely screwed everything up. They spent two years eating shit to try to get back where they were with the xbox 360 people hated them and they didn't want their product and they had to claw back from that and i think they took it as like a rebuilding generation to like slowly earn people's trust back experiment try things out see what works see if game pass is a good idea if it's not let's try this and that and do streaming and like just meet people where they are rather than having them stand for this one gadget um and so part of that was purchasing a bunch of game studios and putting a bunch of games into development. And that takes five to 10 years to, for you to see a game out of like whenever a game comes out and we're like, wow, you know, like death stranding, how prescient for this moment. It's like that game was in development for five to 10 years. It's not like it just happened to line. Like he just, you know, like the, the, uh, the creators just happen to look at the circumstances and say like, what would be the perfect game for this moment? They have to make really long-term bets creatively because these products have such a long turnaround time. So I think Microsoft has invested in these projects. They're just not, they're not ready for prime time yet. So I do think in the next like year or two, we're going to see some games on the Xbox that are exclusives that you can get excited about. Um, but the other side of that is that because they're available everywhere, they're not totally exclusives, right? Like you can play them on a PC or you can play them on streaming on your phone. So they're like, what's the incentive to like buy the box itself? Right. Um, 
which is why I guess they've had to pivot to the like getting you on a subscription. Um, I, I think it's really exciting. I, I actually do. I'm more excited about this than I have been about Stadia or ray tracing or any of the other things about the next generation that are cool, but aren't necessarily like they haven't necessarily sold me on being like, wow, this is really going to change the dynamic between the people who make games and the people who play games. But I do think a subscription model does because you don't have to sell every single person a triple A grim dark remake of a known franchise uh, in a collector's edition. Like it doesn't all have to be that one way to make money with microtransactions. It can be smaller games. Like Netflix did this for TV. Yeah. It could be miniseries. It could be documentaries. It could be a weird interactive film. Like you can green light stuff because people have already kind of paid for it. And then if they end up breaking through, that's great. And if they don't, there's something else on the site for them, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I think that is, that is the thing that I think eventually we're going to say, wow, I'm so glad Microsoft did this. There's so many weird games that got made that would have never been made. Um, the way that we felt about the switch and it's like embrace of indie games. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, when you want to see, I mean, if you think about it, like films, if those are all those indie weird Netflix stuff, Sony is the people making Marvel films. Sony is the people making like blockbuster must see, go to the theater, pay money to do it. Right. Um, so at the end of the day, maybe both end up winning in different ways. That would be great. Um, but yeah, that, that that's what we got to see this week. Hopefully next week we'll get to see more announcements from PlayStation, more firm dates around when things are going to be released and a price. But the frustrating thing going into the fall is also Sony has people pre-registering to get the chance at waiting in line for the chance to purchase the console. That's how few they are making. Right, um, right. So you need to go onto Sony's website, type in your email address and your name. Then they analyze how what you're like as a player. Like they tie it to your ID in Sony's online service. And then they, they're using some algorithm to decide who gets the chance to wait in line to get the chance to buy one of these. Right. And it, presumably they'll be pushing more of the digital editions because they make more money on every game sold on a digital edition. So if you are going into this like, all right, I'm going to spend money. I want the disc version of the PS5. You might not have the chance to purchase that until next spring or summer. Um, and that isn't being said either. And I think that's really consumer hostile. I think Sony went into this generation extremely overconfident in their own IP, extremely overconfident coming off the huge smash success that was the PS4. And I I think they're going to be surprised when they fall on their face in the next year or two. Yeah. I mean, I it's tough, you know. I'm I'm trying to think what are the launch title, what are like the big exclusives that Sony's going to have? It's like Spider-Man, they're having like the uh there's like a big expansion or it's a separate game. It's a separate game. Right. Uh, they're not gonna, Horizon Zero Dawn is not going to be a launch title, right? The sequel. No, it is not. Right. Um, I'm just trying to think of like what are the big PS5 games that I'm excited about. I mean, people want people want to buy Assassin's Creed, but that's going to be available everywhere. I don't I don't play the Assassin's Creed games, so that's not an issue for me. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really care at all about Assassin's Creed. I've tried to play Assassin's Creed, I just have never gotten into it. I've purchased Assassin's. Okay, Ratchet and Clank. Don't give a shit. Grand I'm Turismo. actually excited about Ratchet and Clank. I know you would never be, but I'm actually a little bit excited because the idea of the like jumping between dimensions is something that they can only do because there are no load times on the console. Right. That, no, that's right. Not, so that does excite. No, me. but the the no load times thing, and that's going to be true of both of these systems, right? It's like, I mean, does the PS5 is it going to be faster? I do think like no. 
they're basically tit for tat feature wise. There's a couple little things like, you know, the PS5's controller has a couple gimmicks, like the trigger buttons are adaptive so they can be tighter or looser depending on yeah, like, that's the cool. game. That's kind of cool. And it's got like a built-in microphone and a little touchpad. But multi-platform games never take advantage of those features because they're building for all of the platforms. Yeah. So they don't really use the gimmicks. Um so yeah, I, I mean some of the I mean they PlayStation does have good IP. It's that at launch, I don't really see anything that I'm like, oh my god, I have to have that. Right. It's always like, well, The Last of Us 3 is gonna be on uh is gonna be on PlayStation and yeah. like Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, but then again, I'm like, okay, well, I I didn't play Horizon Zero Dawn until like a year after it came out. I was like completely and then also it came out for it, it just came out for the PC and it seems like there's a increased pressure for these titles to not be so exclusive and mm-hmm. it's kind of like i don't know i mean honestly i'm looking at this and i'm sort of i'm trying to think of like what are the experiences that i've had recently that were my best gaming experiences the last of us definitely sort of falls into that category though at the by the time i got to the end of that game i was like oh, i need this game to end it felt like it went on for so long um my best gaming experiences have been weird one-offs that are on the switch and they're, those kind of indie titles, if they were, instead of having me nickel and diming me for $15 every time I bought one, if they were all just rolled up in a package that Microsoft had available and I could just try them out and see, I might end up like having a lot of those experiences. Yeah. I mean, I just think um, like the games, I mean, I certainly some of the best like long game experiences like Control, uh, which is funny because I just repurchased and played on the PC and actually finished it because I, you know, just between us, I cheated and turned on a bunch of like <laughs> and turned on a bunch of like God mode features, which you can do on a PC, which is great. Honestly, Control was like it got to a point on when I was playing it for the PlayStation where I was like, wow, this is a great game. I'm like, this is so cool. And then it was like, wow, this boss is really hard to beat. And like, I am getting really frustrated. Then it was like, I just stopped playing because it was no fun, you know, and like I actually finished it on the PC and now I'm playing the expansions. And it's like, it's pretty entertaining, but like it took it being played on the PC for me to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Um, I've been in like, you know, I don't know. Like, what if I, you know, The Last of Us 2 obviously was great, but like Resident Evil, the Re- all the Resident Evil games, um, Resident Evil 8 is coming to Xbox Series X. Oh, well, there we go. I mean, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now, Resident Evil Village. Uh, yeah. Windows, PlayStation 5, and Xbox. So... You know, these are the, like, I'm trying to think of the games that I really, because that's what it comes down to, right? It's the games you really want to play um, on the on the platform that you have. And I think it's, like, increasingly there are very few things. Like, if you want to play the Spider-Man game, you're definitely not ever going to play that on an Xbox. Like, no. I mean, Sony owns the literal character. You can't even play a Spider-Man in Marvel's Avengers on Xbox. Oh, really? You can only play as Spider-Man in the upcoming like DLC. Oh wow! What about on PC? What about PC? Nope. Really? Just PlayStation. Wow. Yeah. If I cared, Sony about, is very spiteful. <laughs> if I if I if I cared at all about playing um the uh, about playing a Spider-Man or the Avengers game, that would upset me greatly. But luckily, I mean, I played the Spider-Man game for a little while, and I was like, yeah, this is fun. Like, I lost interest very quickly. Um, yeah. it's you know, kind of a souped up version of what we got from the Batman Arkham games, and like those are older games. They're not like 
It's fine. There's no like n- nothing fresh. I just there's a lot of fetch quests and collectibles. Yeah, it's like right. It's all that shit. It's like find the you know the uh, <laughs> s- smoke clouds and find the backpacks and, and they like, have yeah, little right, trinkets. Right. It's that like you I collect. hate that shit. I fucking hate that shit. I have to say, like yeah. I think part of control was you know that was annoying to me was it was stuff like that. It was like, um, yeah, you know, it's like go on these. You have to go on this specific quest and get this thing. And I mean, at least control has like some fun, like has some fun story points to hit on those. Yeah, but anyhow, but if you're gonna make me just collect shit, at least be honest, like Banjo Kazooie, and be like, "There's five thousand things to collect, and that's all you do in the game." Don't tell me that I'm gonna like live as Spider Man in this living, breathing New York, and then like I spend all my time collecting little trophies. Yeah, and it's from, not like, it's not behind a, random buildings. And it's not in any way a living, breathing New York. I mean, it's cool, but it's no. like you can't do anything. It's like it just looks like new york yeah, a little bit <laughs> yeah you know but i mean i mean the like lo- i would say a lot of the games that i play and love are readily available on all systems um and so it's really i mean for me personally uh i'm just trying to think of where where i would what, what would be the breaking point you know i don't know at this point I mean, I mean, it's about, perf- I, think it I guess, graphics down performance. To- I, I will say that. I mean, I will say the place where I would be is like performance. If if somebody said the PlayStation 5 is going to have way better graphics or is going to have way better load times or whatever, or is more was more backwards compatible than the Xbox is going to be, you know, I, I guess I would, you know, the thing that's annoying now, and I have to say is actually a problem for the industry to some extent. I have games that I bought for the Xbox for the PlayStation and for my PC. I have games, I have games that I've played. Oh, my Switch collection is literally half duplicates from other consoles right. because I wanted to play them on the go. I mean, I've I've bought uh I mean, I've bought I have The Witcher 3 in yes, five yes. I I've, The Witcher 3 and Skyrim I have like five versions. I of. have The Witcher 3 for both um my Xbox 1 and uh Either the PS4 or or PC, I can't remember. On whatever it is, I just cannot. I bought it for the Switch, just for the novelty of owning yeah, it right, on the Switch. Right, okay, right. I have LA Noir, which I bought on the Switch, which I bought for my Xbox like 360, I think. And like I have considered buying it for my PC because I never finished it. And now it's like I want to play Alan Wake. I bought for my Xbox. I just bought, of course, it was like three dollars or something. I mean, the one nice it comes thing on is that Game Pass for free. Yeah, I know. The one nice thing I will say about what's going on with PCs right now is that you can get a lot of like I bought like all the old Resident Evils for super cheap the other day because there was a huge yeah. sale going on. So it's not that big of a deal. Like I don't mind spending like ten bucks or fifteen bucks on something that I spent sixty bucks on in the past. I mean, if anything, I'm like, why didn't I just wait? Okay, Zombie. You know the game Zombie. Yeah. It was called Zombie U and it was released for the Wii U. I bought it for the Wii U. It's fucking excellent on. I bought it for the uh, PS4 and I have it on my PC. Like that game is like, that's a game that I'll play. Dying Light I have on Xbox and on my PC. Like I just think, you know, oh, State of, I bought State of Decay for my Xbox and I bought State of Decay 2 for my PC. But I do think State of Decay does that syncing thing because it actually taps into my Xbox stuff. Yeah, the, so, play, the buy, buy it anywhere or whatever. Yeah, I think it's one of those games. I don't really know. At any rate, the games that I, I really love what it, are what just... What it shakes down to, though, is like the PlayStation is going to be so expensive that you, at some point you can get a PC and a lot of the big hit Sony games come to the PC eventually. And you'll get all of the Xbox games on the PC. Plus, you can get all the PC games. Plus, you can get all gaming history and the best emulator experiences. And so for that price, why would you get a PlayStation instead of the PC? But at the lower end, for just 300 bucks, if you can't afford a PC... 
you get a box that does ray tracing, gorgeous, like 1440p upscale to 4K graphics, 4K media playback, instant load times for 300 bucks or $25 a month. Like it, I understand the like value proposition. There. Right. With I the mean, PlayStation, almost, I'm a gamer, so I'm going to buy the PlayStation. It's almost like but if I was like looking for the best and I only had $1,000 to spend, I'd just build a PC. Right. But I mean, it's almost like actually, you know, you could you could justify say like well I'm gonna get the PS5 and I'm gonna pay outright for it but I think I'll you know I'm gonna pay 25 bucks a month and get everything the Xbox has to offer as well. Yeah. I mean it's it's much less. It's like it's the mu- Wii 60 thing where you could buy a Wii and a P- Xbox 360 for the price of the PS3. So people just bought those right. Two. I don't mean did people buy them? I don't know. Yeah, Xbox 360 and the Wii. I don't. I mean, did people? Did a lot of people buy them? And own both together yeah yeah yeah. that was the that was the like pairing du jour for that generation i guess so i guess does ps3 the, people were like we have move controllers does the epic <laughs> does the epic game store does epic not track like your playtime and stuff on games i don't know i haven't looked because i because i was just looking at all my playtime on on steam and it shows me like what i've been playing and then i was like oh but like why isn't control in here and then i remembered that i bought control on uh the epic store because they had a really good deal and I don't know. I played a lot of it, but I don't know how much I played. I don't know if that's tracked anywhere. Very interesting. Anyhow, this is not a great conversation. Then there's that whole thing. By the way, this is, this is extra complicated by the fact that every there's like several large companies now that have game stores for PC that are completely disparate. Know. You know, there's like the Epic Store, there's the Steam Store, there's EA, there's uh, uh, Ubisoft. Yeah, Ubisoft has their own store. And then there's all these other weird ones like the Humble Bundle people and you know it's itch.io. crazy yeah it's itch well itch itch.io at least is like G-O-G. very yeah what's the one the other one game billet or something yeah there's just a lot there's so many anyhow all right what else amazon prime about? oh my god don't <laughs> wait amazon prime does does uh has like a game thing yeah they have their own launcher and you can get free games through twitch really remember oh fuck yeah. oh no that's not good. that's my, i think they have up now they have like every SNK game is free right now. Really? Oh shit! Mm-hmm. This is a nightmare. I do not have time to play these games. Also, it's really hard to find a game that I like. My experience with gaming is like it's just very, very difficult to find a game that I feel like is truly enjoyable enough to spend hours playing. Is that is that yeah? But normal? then when you do, but then when you do, like again, like The Witcher Three, you can put a thousand hours into it and you're still like enjoying yourself. <laughs> I don't know, man. I haven't. I've tried to put time into The Witcher Three, and it's been completely painful every time I've tried to play it. I mean, just really? just absolutely. I love that game. Just absolutely. Just I get so bored playing it, and I'm so annoyed by it, and I'm just like, nope. Just it just everything about it just feels, I don't know, annoying in some way. You know? Yeah, I get that. Mm. By the way, great well, big big Epic Store sale going on right now. So apparently uh, we're all trapped in our homes and we can only work through telecommuting and the Republicans have decided to ruin the internet by trying to repeal parts of section 230 of the communications decency act, uh, which protects big tech companies from being liable for the stuff that users post on their websites. Yeah. Um, And this comes from the triple triple uh, threat of Le- Senator Lindsey Graham, Lady G, 
uh, Roger Wicker and Marsha Blackburn. Uh, And so, yeah, we might be in and for like a broken, crazy, we have a Chinese Russian controlled internet style. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to uh, be that guy, but I don't see them being able to cram this through in the next, um, you know, two months and change. And I mean, we're, we're, we're less than, I mean, how close are we to the presidential election? I mean, you know, are, are these, are, are, do we think that the, we're going to, the Senate's going to stay where it's at? I uh, know, but I do worry because they've, they gutted net neutrality. They passed FOSTA and well, SESTA, which right, destroyed they had, the internet for sex workers. They had, and, they had, but they, you know, that's when, when the Republicans have control of the house and the Senate and the white house, they do whatever they want, you know? And, 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 and it hopefully things will swing back in the other direction. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with the election, but I, I, look, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be worried about this. It's horrible legislation. It's absolutely, uh, uh I mean, they, they're saying it's about free speech. It's clearly just about trying to control these companies and be able to bring them to court. If they, someone tweets something you don't like, or a YouTube video says well, something it's, about it's, a Republican it's, it's that absurd. they don't like. I mean, they're, they're trying to draw this line, this parallel of saying, if you know this site labels a piece of content a certain way, then they're taking responsibility for it, and therefore they should take responsibility for all of it. And then you know, it's it's the 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 goal is to chill, right? The chilling effect mm-hmm. of the legislation is the goal. It's not actual. It's not the actual legal argument or the argument about why you know a, a, a company would be organized in one way or another, or what this what two thirty really means. It's about they want to strike fear into these companies. They want them to to basically, you know, come and bend the knee to the Republicans and say, "We'll let you have free reign." You know, the Re- see the Republicans. What's so amazing? Not to get too political here, although this is obviously a very political issue, a very polarizing issue. The Republicans are, you know, their platform is a platform of misinformation and low information and misdirection and outright lies, right? Like the, the Republican platform thrives and exists. I mean, there's a reason why several, not several, like I think it may be dozens of new uh, 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 um, politicians that ha- are, are going to be competing for seats uh, in the House and elsewhere are QAnon uh, like con- conspiracy theorists, right? Because the the platform is a platform of make believe. Because if you you have to believe in just utter insanity to accept the Republicans' version of humanity. You know, it's the, the you know Trump had this tweet today about about how the suburbs will be you know engulfed in by anarchists and low income housing. It's like that's a fantasy version of reality. It's not real. And like in order for the Republicans to thrive and exist, they have to keep lying to the constituents, to their constituents. They have to keep lying to the population, right? They have to tell them that if you, if your neighbor gets something, you can't have something. Or, you know, if we let immigrants into the country, then you won't have a job. They have to like create this fantasy version of reality that keeps people voting for them. And it's really like fear driven, right? They want to be able to spread that fear and those lies on every platform, and they don't want the platforms or anybody else to ever push back, right? So this whole thing is about getting a free pass to go and spread lies. And the thing that they're reacting to, this would never even have come up if they didn't slap, if Twitter didn't slap a little notice on a tweet from Trump that said, hey, this is fake. 
or this is not true or get more information about this here, right? They see the danger of platforms taking responsibility for telling their audiences what is fake, what is actually fake and what is real, you know, because the fake, they talk, you know, the reason why the Republicans talk about fake news so much is because it's projection, right? They are the they are the generators of fake news. They are the they are the business. They are in the business of generating fake news. It is the only thing their platform has. They don't have fiscal. They're not fiscally conservative. They're not. Uh, they're not even really uh, pro military anymore. They're, I mean, literally the the. I mean, if you think the Republicans are pro military, look at who they elected as their as the president. Okay, somebody who absolutely denigrates the military at every turn. Um, they're, you know, financially speaking, they're, they're handing out massive bailouts and tax breaks to corporations. So they ain't being fiscally conservative. Um, they're not hawkish in the sense that they're not like, let's make the military strong. They're like, let's, you know, make the military our punching bag. And, and, and what are they? Family values? I mean, these are people who the president, the Republican Who's separating president. separating families at the border. They're separating families at the border. They're, they're, they're letting, they're letting literal babies being having them handed over to strangers to be taken care of by strangers who are 10, 12, 13 years old to be taken care of at the border because they don't have their parents anymore because we've separated them from their parents, two-year-olds. This is real, by the way. Um, and, and also the president, their president is a serial sexual abuser and harasser, has cheated on his wife in public. We have evidence that he not only cheated on his wife, but paid off. He married one of his mistresses. He married a mistress, but also paid off a a porn star who he had sex with while he was married. And it's like, so, so what are they the party of? They're the party of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And in order to control the message around fear, uncertainty, and doubt, they have to have control of the platforms. And so this is all just a desperate attempt for them to not about support free speech. They want it. What they're saying is support lies. They're saying support misinformation, support uh, fake news, support the things that keep us in power, that keep a population in the dark, which is fear and lies and uncertainty and doubt. They are the FUD fucking party. And so this legislation they want to put forth is all about maintaining that and, and growing that. You know, they can't win elections fair and square. They know that. That's why they gerrymander, you know? The, the, Trump knows if people can vote by mail, more people are going to vote Democrat. That's why he wants to sow fear and doubt and uncertainty about it. I mean, they are the party of bullshit. They are the party of a smokescreen. And so I'm not saying Democrats are all perfect. They're certainly not. I'm not saying the Democrats never say shit that isn't true or have policies that are bad for people. But I think by and large, they certainly are not like as mired in a conspiracy version of reality as the Republicans are at the at the complete and total um, uh, and the complete and total point of that perspective on reality is is to keep people controlled and beaten down and to keep stealing money from them and that's what they do and that's what they've been doing and that's what we've seen for the last three and a half years. So anyhow, so on this on this two thirty legislation, I mean, it's really just a product of a very diseased. Uh, political party in this country, and they need, you know, I'm not saying that 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 platforms shouldn't be responsible for things. I think they actually should take a lot more responsibility, and we, they should be regulated. 
by our government, by responsible people in the government. And I, when I say regulated, I mean they should not be allowed to get so big that they create a monopoly. They should not be allowed to dominate you know, their competition by just buying up their competition. They should not be able to um, uh, you know, be unregulated and allow any kind of speech on their platforms. You know, uh, I think there does need to be some like rules and some regulations and some boundaries, but that needs to be arrived at through, you know, intelligent, uh, uh, regulation and legislation based on, on uh, many, many decades of precedent for how you deal with monopolistic companies and how you deal with the, you know, transmission of information. It is not about, um, you know, taking away their, you know, taking away their ability to allow people to post on their platform and not be responsible for it because then you just have, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a clusterfuck. It's a nightmare. Anyhow, I'm done with my rant, my, my expletive laden rant, which would never fly in a, in a world where this legislation was passed. Um, so who are you voting for? Trump, I'm Donald Trump. I mean, just like last time, you know, to think Trump's going to shake things up and not, so I'm excited about that. And I gotta say, I'm liking for next year. I'm liking that Donald Trump Jr. I think he's got, he's got what it takes. You know what I mean? 400 more years. Um, yeah, I just, I, I it, the internet is the one thing we have left. The one area that has, it's horrible, but it is pretty much untouched by the horrors of Trump. Like the armies of Nazis on Twitter are one thing, but it, it we still have YouTube. We still have ways to have freedom of speech and ex- express ourselves. And by freedom of speech, I mean the government isn't censoring political ideas from uh being spoken about i like they, they currently they're breaking up people protesting right so like that is already like a violation of our right like our right to assemble um the internet exists as one last place for like information to run rampant and sometimes it's for better and sometimes it's for worse but i don't want to live in a world where we don't have youtube or we don't have Twitter or we don't have Wikipedia like I think we need to rein those things in I don't think that they need to exist how they exist right now but like this is not the way to do that this will be so much worse um so yeah I just please vote everyone I agree vote for Trump please vote for Donald Trump as your president and also also get into the streets and yell voting is not the ABL end all like no but it's a lot your money Yes, but put your money where your mouth it's is. It's a and lot. Do and vote do some for, other actions on other days than the day you have your ballot in your hand. There vote for Joe Biden. I know you, you don't like do him. I know you don't like Joe. I know you don't like Kamala. But you know what? The alternative Kops- is Mola. So, the alternative is so much worse. And I know you say no, it's not. And what, if you're saying that, then you're a fucking idiot. I'm sorry. You're then an idiot. Look outside. San Francisco is orange. Well, that's not We're okay. In a we pandemic. can't. We, we actually can't blame Trump for the fires, but we definitely can blame him for not. We having, can blame him for how they're being dealt we can with. Definitely and blame also, him for, he's doing nothing about climate change. I mean, the guy hasn't even talked about the the fires. I mean, he doesn't even care. He loves it. He loves that. He loves the destruction. He would love to see the both the coast just fall off into the ocean. I mean, but yeah, I mean, obviously, we've said this. For, we've been saying this for years. If people don't know now, if you can't see it now, I don't know what to say. You're living in, you're li- not living in the same world as I'm living in. You've got to vote. You, we have to get these these scumbags out of office, and I really mean it. I mean, like, I really, I don't know what America is going to look like if Trump is president again. 
and I'm not, I don't think I mean dramatic. I mean, I think it's very clear now we're really moving towards a, towards a, towards a, a country that is a no longer a democracy. And, and again, you know, I think four years ago, people were like, you're being dramatic. Let's give him a shot. And it's like, we've given the guy a shot. 200,000 Americans are dead from a, a virus that he could have, he couldn't have prevented the virus, but he could have prevented a lot of people from getting it. He could have. It's a fact. It's a fucking fact. We did it in New York. It was bad here. We got it down and we've kept it down because we had a plan and everybody stuck to the plan because we were repercussions if you didn't stick to the plan. And like, it's just running rampant. He is so disinformation, misinformation and lies about it. He has been directly fucking responsible for tens of thousands of people dying. Directly responsible. I mean, it's a, it's a worse than a war crime. He should be in jail just for that, just for that alone. If you knew you could prevent it and you didn't, if you were the president of this country, the leader of this country, you should go to jail for that, you know? And, and so anyhow, so please just go vote and also check out the new surface duo review and the galaxy <laughs> um, Z two fold review that's up on the website. I think they're great and you're really going to enjoy them. And a lot of people are saying they're our best reviews ever. Uh, and some people are saying they may be the best reviews that will ever be on the internet or anywhere else. All right. Well, Maybe on that get note, nice things. We got to do some nice things. Get, get, give me something nice. Tell oh me you want me to do. You want nice. me to do. You want me to start nice things. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting. All right. Well, listen. I'm gonna. My nice thing is gonna be a continuation of my last week's nice thing, because um, I'm now a bike guy. Capi- bike guy. Capital B, capital G, bike guy. And uh, and I got to tell you, I mean, I live in a place that's very hilly, and I kind of am like, I really. I'm really mad about having, I mean, I love where I live, but I'm very mad about uh, living in a place that where the hills are like brutal to me, a man whose legs are like toothpicks. Um, you know, I basically have those toothpicks shooting out from, from my uh, new biking shorts. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, ex- but it's exciting and interesting. I will say one thing that I'm discovering is that there's actually a lot of really interesting technology in the world of bikes. And I think there's uh, some really interesting new things that are being built and designed for people as we have suddenly a huge population of people that are really into biking and are biking all over the place because we've got fewer cars on the road. We've got more people working from home uh, and, and you know, have having more time on their hands and more time where they're not actually commuting to go and do things. And and so it's really interesting to see how that, that it's a whole world. I mean, I know I sound like a ridiculous person, but it really is a whole world of of of, of like, accessories and design and style and all this stuff. And I, I'm kind of getting immersed in it. I'm not going, I'm not going like crazy, but I do think it is, it's interesting to imagine a world where, uh, you know, more places are designed. Like I live in a place where there's, there are no bike lanes and the roads are narrow and the people drive really fast on the roads, but also there are a ton of bikers on these roads. In fact, I live in a, in an area North of, of New York where it's like very common for people to take bike trails that go from the city up to where I live because there's a lot of really interesting paths and roads and stuff. And so I see huge mobs of like people on bikes here, but like, it's also, I mean, I went for a ride last night. Now, of course, going in the dark is always, you know, kind of a weird proposition, but I went for a ride last night and it's like, I'm like, oh, I could easily die, very easily die just riding my bike. And so as, as a person who also loves cars, um, you know, I will say, I will say it is an interesting perspective to be now on the other side of it and to see really how poorly designed almost everything is 
for uh, a road with a diverse with diverse sets of vehicles on it, especially, but not limited to bikes. And um, anyhow, so it's so it's I'm just immersing myself in it. I have I have discovered two hobbies uh, since the the pandemic started. One is woodworking, which I'm getting deeper and deeper into, and I love. And the other is 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 now bike riding, um, which I've just started. But like the one thing I'll say that I am appreciative of this time for. I mean, number one is I've spent way more time with Zelda, but it just I have not had a lot of time to explore other things that I might have wanted to get into when I was like you know, commuting every day, spending like at least two hours out of my day in a car, usually still doing work calls and stuff. And I think um, it's easier now to kind of like at the end of the day, disengage and go directly to do, you know, that hour is now like, oh, I could have an hour to do something that I want to do. And so it's, you know, anyhow, my nice thing is that hobbies, but, but more, more specifically, like, obviously like the bike thing is, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm discovering a whole new world and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> oh wait, wait! I have one other nice thing. Sorry, control, control with cheats on the PC has made the game. It's totally. I know I already talked about this. Totally transformed it for me. And here's I have to say, if you're a casual gamer like I am, uh, it is cheat. like yeah, just cheat, <laughs> just cheat. It's no, it doesn't. You're not trying to prove anything to anybody. If you just can't beat a boss and you're like, well, I'm going to quit because this isn't fun. Like just cheat. It makes the game so much more enjoyable. The other thing is, have we talked about Fall Guys at all? I feel like we talked about yes, it a little bit we, last we week. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Fall Guys also excellent, fantastic. I mean, I have now I have like just five things that I do, and that's it. So I'm very boring. All right, go ahead. <laughs> My nice thing is, um, this is going to sound like an ad because this is a podcast, and I'm about to talk about Blue Apron, but it is actually Blue Apron. Nobody is paying me to say this. Um, I felt like my husband and I were eating the exact same thing. Every single day, if not, Blue like really maybe good. three different meals. Yeah. We were having three not- different meals a week because we're we're, we're vegetarians and we have uh, only a couple supermarkets that are within walking distance. And we were used to going out to dinner a lot because of work, and we would have we would at least go out to lunch, and we would bring home ex like stuff that are leftovers from lunch and have it for dinner sometimes. And like yes. we were just out a lot. We were in New Yorkers. We don't. Our kitchen is literally, literally the size. It's maybe smaller than my childhood closet. Our like we are not. We don't cook. Um, so we were in a rut. We were eating like pierogies and then spaghetti and then like you know uh, raviolis. <laughs> like it, it was the same shit over and over. And it was so bad for us. And I was just losing it. I was like, John, I can't eat it again. I can't have pizza again. I can't like I can't take it. Yeah. And so totally. we ordered Blue Apron. I haven't cooked any of it. Okay. So what I'm basically recommending is you get a private chef and the ingredients delivered. Um, because John has taken to cooking like a fish to water. And he has been making some of the most delicious meals I've ever had in my life. It's super affordable. It's just great. It's great. I can't. They just show up in a box, all the ingredients and the instructions. I get to say. Like a half hour to make. I get to say. We have been getting Blue Apron for years. This is not an ad, but we've been getting Blue Apron for years, and uh, it's it's great. I mean, some of their meals are great. really, really. There's some of their meals are really super good. They're, I mean, I I have prepared one, one time, okay, but I'm uh-huh. like I can't cook for shit. So, and it, they're really actually pretty easy to to do. But also, like, I mean, Lauren really knows how to cook, and like, so I mean, not only can she make these meals really fast, but like it's it's they're fucking good and they have stuff that's just like they are i would good. never and i would never i have, would never eat exactly and 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 i will say uh their vegetarian options are excellent i mean really excellent vegetarian options 
um, and very like a lot of variety. And I think it's like, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's Blue Apron had a moment where people were like, oh man, they're not doing so great. I, I think obviously right now, I would imagine that they are um, surging because people are all having the same experience. Where it's like, I, I, and and there was the backlash of people were like, it's expensive and like kind of wasteful and like all these like like and you know what like no it actually isn't it actually isn't that expensive and it's really not that wasteful because I'm not buying excess ingredients. Yeah, I mean, I think that there, I can understand that argument, but I mean, right now, listen, you know what. Don't don't. I don't harsh, use a don't car. Don't harsh mellow, you know. Yeah, right? I don't People... use a car. If someone wants to mail me a block of ice and some fucking groceries, you're gonna let me because I I'm not committing. I'm not emitting CO2 when I go to work or whatever. That's right. So... That's right. I got a bike now, so I'm saving the planet as well, which means I can get as many blue aprons as I want. But I agree. I agree. It's very good. Uh, it's so good. I look forward to these meals in a way that like I used to look forward to like going out with friends. I love them. We had like a chutney grilled cheese on naan the other day, which was never a thing I would have ever thought of. It was so delicious. Um, so yeah, I'm loving that. Absolutely digging it. Um, uh, and also, uh, my other nice thing is don't roll your eyes, even though I can't see you. Uh, there's a new Real Housewives coming out mm. called The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Ooh. You think it's going to be a lot of Mormons and stuff, which I was down for. I was down for like weird, yeah, I would watch bitchy that. Mormons. It, some of them are Mormons and some of them are former Mormons. There's like a mix. But one of them married her grandmother's ex-husband no. who also probably murdered her in order to inherit the family business, which, wait for it, is a Pentecostal church. Uh, <laughs> so it's all about to happen. If you've never watched a Real Housewives franchise, I haven't seen any footage. I've seen a short trailer of this, but I have to recommend that we all, all the Tonys, Josh, everybody get on board wow. for whatever I mean, this ride is going to be. I don't know. Because it's going to be bonkers. I am looking I am looking for a new show to watch. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. and Selling Sunset. That's another good new show. Yeah, everybody's talking about Selling Sunset. Selling I get to tell you, you know what's really good? is Raised by Wolves. Have you watched it? No, what is that? It's a new science fiction series on HBO Max. It is real sci-fi, like hardcore, like old school pulp sci-fi stuff. And I don't mean like Battlestar Galactica, although it it is like in the in the vein of that. It is like it is really really interesting. It is unlike anything that is on television or has been on television for a long time. It is hardcore sci-fi. And like, and I don't mean space battles. I mean, it's something very different, but it's like the kind of science fiction that was being produced in the sixties. That's like kind of trippy, definitely all kind of like philosophical, uh, but also like weird, like sciencey stuff going on. It's very, very cool. We've watched the first three episodes of it. And I think it's been, it's extremely compelling. If you're a fan of Battlestar Galactica, you will enjoy it. If you're a fan of, Westworld, I think you will enjoy it, though it is it only has shades of those types of things in it. Um, I would say it has more in common with like it's produced by Ridley Scott. He directed the first two episodes. It has more in common with the um with the l- newer alien movies, though like that's kind of like you go like, oh, that's not good. But I would say it's not so much the it's the under this sort of like backstory to something really significant it's like building a really interesting narrative around a very just a very different society and a very different group of people it's about religion and it's about 
um, uh, beliefs and it's about, it's got some really cool, like just scary, weird shit in it. It's super weird. I highly recommend it. Uh, everybody should go, Tony, you should go watch raised by wolves. And I think, uh, you will feel compelled. It sounds to, so good. It's really interesting. I mean, it's really, really super duper interesting. And I think like I was the first episode I was like, okay, this is, this is something else. Like this is something well, else. Speaking of hard sci-fi, we haven't talked about the Dune trailer. Oh my god! Should we squeeze how it in here that, at the end? How did we not talk about that? Okay, this know. is for the people who stick around for nice things. I don't know if that's every Tony, I but yeah, it's not every Tony, the but Dune, some Tonys. The Dune trailer. Oh my god! Are you excited? I'm so excited! Really? I'm so excited! I feel, I, 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 I get it. I, I get it. It's not. I, it's not going to be the David Lynch version. I think and it's it not actually. Be the book. I think it has a lot in common. I mean, it feels to me like. Uh, okay, so you I st- get Timmy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac up in some sci-fi gear. You give Zendaya blue eyes, and you tell me that I get to talk about Dune with people on Twitter for the next three weeks. Yeah, I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, I think it looks like it'll be very entertaining. Uh, the casting seems great. I'm not a huge Timothy Chalamet fan. Um, Chalamet. Uh, but you know, I, I think he, I get why he would be in the role. I, 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 I feel like I watched the teaser for the trailer and then the trailer and more than anything, my takeaway is it looks like a really big budget version of the David Lynch movie. Yeah. Um, which, which to me says like David Lynch got a lot of things right. I mean, I think he got some things wrong, but I think he got a lot of things right about the mood and the vibe and the tone and the characters of uh, Dune, and so like I'm sort of interested in in the, in the sense of it being a bigger budget version of David Lynch's movie. I think um, I will absolutely want to watch it, but I don't feel I'm not like you know I'm it's it, it wasn't one of those things where I'm like I can't wait. I know the story, and it's really good, but like I, you know, is it going to be more enjoyable than? than the book i mean i don't want to be that guy but like i've seen a version of, of the movie that I, i've seen a version of the movie that i love which is david lynch i, I, I know it's very divisive things i can enjoy things as ephemera to the thing that i actually love like like the the accessories cultural accessories they don't need to be as good as all the time i do get mad if if something isn't as good as the book but it's the main way mainstream public people know it yeah. um, and that might piss me off but I can enjoy something that's like, you know, I can enjoy like a Hobbit video game without being mm. like, well, it's not as good as the book The no, Hobbit was I, I when it. I was I in get, middle school. I you get know? that. I'm I'm sure it'll be very entertaining. I'm just like, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain um, how I feel about it. Like the trailer looks good, but it also doesn't look like much to me. I mean, it's it's like it's like a lot, but not that much. It feels like it's very incomplete at this point. I feel like I need to see, you know, the worms look good. That's cool. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure it's going to be good. I guess. I think it's going to be good. I don't know why. I just Um, don't feel like terrifically motivated about it. One of our writers, Matt tweeted something and I don't, it's not the exact phrasing, but he said something like Dune is a movie about a boy named Dune who eats worms. And I said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's not wildly <laughs> off. Not wildly. Um, yeah, I like it. I love Very it. Funny. All right, let's wrap this thing up, man. I gotta get going. I gotta. I gotta go get some worms. I'm gonna eat some worms. All right.
Bye. Bye. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best, though I've just been told that your family has ordered food from something called Red Apron. And now they all believe in QAnon conspiracy theories.